0: Okay. <sighs> Take a breath. So, I'm not sounding my usual self. I'm, I am on quite a bit of medication due to a, a good old sinus infection. But um, I see my father-in-law sitting there, and he set the bar pretty high because he preached through a heart attack. So I have no excuse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Sinus infection yeah. is no excuse. <laughs> Um, So yes, we've been walking through James. Sorry, I just want to make sure I've got everything on and rolling. It's buzzing. Great. I just want to encourage you as the church and as our church community, as we've been walking through James, what I've been noticing is that the response to James and how you've responded as a community has been with such maturity. Because every time we open up for ministry time, there is such you just come forward and you're laying it down. And I want to say that God is doing a good thing in us through, through this walking through James. And it's, been, it's always an honor and a privilege to stand in the team that I do of, of guys that have been preaching. Um, I have caught up on everyone that we've missed, and each one has just been absolutely amazing. About three or four weeks ago, Martijn uh, spoke a bit into James 4, because that's where I'm heading, on the struggle of a divided person. Um, so we've, we've been a lot in James 1 and we've been wandering around there. And because we don't really do anything by order in this church, we're just going to jump straight to James 4 and then we'll probably go back to James 2. But you know, it keeps it exciting, keeps it very exciting. I'm also going to be reading out of the Passion Translation because I sometimes feel that when you read the same translation over and over again, you get a bit familiar. And so you almost, um, you know what's coming. But sometimes when you read a different translation, something just jumps at you and grabs your attention. Which is, when I read through James, and I, I did in each of the versions that I love, the passion is what really stood out. And I'm going to be very honest with you. I have this up here, just to make me look good. I actually am not going to be reading out of this at all. And I said to Sheldon, the way to church, <gasps> I didn't bring my Bible. I never planned to read out my Bible because I've got it all on the slides and I've got it all written down. So I thought, in honesty, I'm just going to put this away. So don't, no judgment, eh? no judgment. Okay, let's see if we are rolling. There we go. I'm going to read uh, James 4, 1 to 10, is what we're going to be working through this morning. Uh, so bear with me, but I'm going to read it in its entirety, and then we will start picking out some parts. So James 4, 1 to 10. What is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you? As you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires, you jealously want what others have, so you begin to see yourself as better than others. You scheme with envy and harm others to selfishly obtain what you claim. That's why you quarrel and fight. And all the time, you don't obtain what you want because you won't ask God for it. And if you ask, you won't receive it because you are asking with corrupt motives, seeking only to fulfill your own selfish desires. You have become spiritual adulterers who are having an affair and unholy relationship with the world. Don't you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. Does the scripture mean nothing to you that says, the spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us. But he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. For it says God resists you when you are proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. So then, surrender to God. Stand up to the devil and resist him, and he will turn turn and run away from you. Move your heart closer and closer to God, and he will come even closer to you. But make sure you cleanse your life, you sinners, and keep your heart pure and stop doubting. Feel the pain of your sin. Be sorrowful and weep. Let your joking around be turned into mourning and your joy into deep humiliation. Be willing to be made low before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So that's quite a, a, it's a chunk, I know. It's one of those, sometimes when you read James, you feel like you're just getting like knocked all the time. And you like, gee, let's just slow it down, James, Jacob. But he, he was a fantastic uh, uh, person in the Bible, not only just the brother of Jesus, but he was just so honest. And he so wanted people to just get to grips with these very truths in order to live that abundant life. Now, I just want to give a little bit of historical context just around this particular passage and why he was writing this. So at the time when James was writing this, he was writing it to the Jews, who were at the time a very seditious people. Seditious, great word. Meaning, they would rebel against authority... They were quite an inflammatory type of people. So if you came up against them, they were like, what, what? Bring, bring. You know, one of those type of people. And, and with good cause because they were under Roman rule. And Roman rule was not the greatest rule to be under. However, what that caused is they would have constant infighting amongst themselves. So they would have wars with Romans, but then they would fight amongst and quarrel amongst themselves. And what James was doing is he was cutting through it all. And he was informing them and telling them that the origin of your fighting, the origin of your quarrels, was actually inside of you. It had to do, you see, what they would do is they'd have these wars all in the name of God, all in the name of being patriotic and standing for their land. But actually what James was saying is that's what you're saying, but rather it's your prevailing lusts were the cause of all the fighting. He just cuts through it all. What was sheltered and shrouded under superficial pretense or zeal for God and religion often comes from men's pride, malice, ambition, revenge, and so many other things. There is also supposedly a good, when people have a war and they're fighting, there's a a cause for justice. But somehow, in the engaging it and the management of that, it comes from a bad principle, a bad motive. The title of my sermon is Motives of the Heart. And in Hebrew, the word motive comes from the word "ruach," which actually comes from the word ruat, which is, you would recognize as the spirit, wind, and breath, which means the animating energy of a life which God breathed into us. In Hebrew, this is why I love Hebrew, because the word just, there's just so much more to it than the English. The English just kind of cuts it there, but when you go into the Hebrew, it gives you such a fuller picture of what this word means. So motives for us is our inner intentions. Motives in Hebrew is your inner intentions plus the spirit, wind, and breath. There's much more to the inner frame of mind. It's the animating energy of life. What the Bible asks us to do is to practice breath control. To keep a close watch on how we live so that our actions are a pure representation of God's purposes. And I'm going to be referring back to that. So what drives you? What motivates you? You'll often hear, oh, he's really motivated by money. Oh, she's really motivated by justice and standing for the truth. So I'm going to tell you a bit of a, a silly example, or a silly story. Not, well, it's not silly, but it, uh, it's a bit extreme and a bit obvious, but I, I hope it paints my point. Uh, we took the kids to a movie uh, during the holidays, and after the movie, we went to grab a bite to eat. And in our family, when we generally go out for a meal, as soon as we sit down and the food comes is when Aiden needs to go to the toilet. His timing is impeccable every single time. But that's Dad's problem, so off they went to the moon. Ella and I start eating and the waitress comes across to us and she says, "Um, can you pay cash for this meal? I've never in all my life been going to a restaurant and been asked if you can pay cash for this meal. And I kind of kind of called off guard, and I said, I- I'm really sorry, I- I've only got a card. Oh, uh, okay. Now I've got Ella looking at me. Now Ella is a justice fighter, and her brother gets the brunt of that. It's black, it's white, that's it. Something's wrong. She picked up something's wrong. So she looks at me, and I'm like, just leave it. I don't know what's going on, just leave it. And she said to me, something's wrong, Mom. I was like, yeah, I know, but we'll just, you know, let's just get through the meal, okay? So... Sheldon comes back, and I didn't have time to tell him that this is what the waitress had asked, I kind of just brushed it off, and um, as we're finishing the meal, the waitress comes across, and she says, oh, by the way, the card machines aren't working, they'll be fixed tomorrow, conveniently, and um, they keep taking double of the money of the customers off. Sheldon, in his, you know, Sheldon way, oh, do you want us to go and draw money? I've got Edda looking at me going, huh? and I, I can't now explain to him that there's, there's something clearly off. So Sheldon jumps up and he runs off to draw, draw money and I'm like, there's something wrong. I don't know what it is, but whatever. He comes back. Emma is now like beside herself. And she's like, Dad, she's lying. <laughs> <laughs> Sheldon doesn't know what's going on. Completely confused, can't work out. And I'm trying to tell him, but anyway. So we pay for the meal cash, okay, and as we're walking out there's another waitress standing and I just, I leaned over and I said, your card machines, are they, are they broken? She looks at me, no, they work perfectly fine, okay, we'll just, I don't know what the motive of her heart was, I think it might have been desperation, but we're motivated by things, and sometimes motives are obvious, even to a 10 year old, that there's something off, sometimes they're not so obvious. It's a silly story. But now I'm going to go on another extreme. You see, as humans, we've become very clever at hiding our motives. So clever, in fact, that we even hide them from ourselves. We are convinced that what we're doing is the right thing to do. We've convinced ourselves. But actually, if we sat down and got to grips with it, maybe it isn't. (coughs) What motivates a jihadist? Jihadist, suicide bomber. I did a bit of research um, on human sciences with regards around a jihadist and their their way of thinking. And there was a scientist called Bandura, a human scientist of human social studies. And he concluded the following after going through many uh, tests, it requires conducive social conditions rather than monstrous people to produce atrocious deeds. Given appropriate social conditions, decent, ordinary people can be led to do extraordinarily cruel things. Let's think of a jihadist, a young man, they usually are young men, He could have come from a broken home, as simple as a broken home, or an abusive home, even a good home, but he was bullied. Lies took root in his heart, and they grew into a heart motive to fight for justice, to belong, or simply get affirmation and acceptance, and sometimes even love, or the perception of love. And the next picture, he has a suicide vest attached to his body. That's what a heart motive can do. Okay, Kathleen, you've gone a little extreme, okay? we no, no potential jihad is sitting in the building, I don't think. Well, if you are, Jesus loves you. Um, but sometimes extreme gets your attention. You see, above all, the heart is deceitful. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, out of the message translation. I've chosen a lot of translations so, you know, you can identify with one of them and think, you know, I know what I'm talking about and feel better when you walk out. The heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. But I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. I get to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. I treat them as they really are. And not as they pretend to be. We pretend a lot, so much so we can we actually believe it. So we are familiar with these sayings. Let's get to the heart of the matter. That really spoke to my heart. Just follow your heart. Oh, he's had a change of heart. Listen to your heart. This next one is not a saying that rolls off the tongue, but I thought it was a really good one. Whatever your heart clings to and confides in, that is your God. Even as Christians, we cling and confide in other things rather than our Jesus. So we know that the tongue has the power to create and the power to destroy. The heart fuels the tongue. It comes from your heart. The tongue doesn't just do it on its own. Okay, it comes from somewhere. It's fueled by something. Luke 6, 45. The good person out of the treasure of his heart produces good. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It also is referenced in Matthew 12, 34. Out of 34. And that's Jesus was saying in Matthew twelve thirty four, You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Good. Uh, Psalm 139, 23 to 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Have you ever asked God to test you? I advise it, but I don't advise it. It's one of those, it's really good, but at the same time... I have never... In my whole entire life been questioned more about my heart motives than I have in the last five years of leading a church and I didn't see it coming. When I was first questioned about a heart motive around an issue I was absolutely dumbfounded. Firstly I was dumbfounded that this person couldn't see that my heart motives were awesome. They were pure. How how could it be anything else? I mean I'm me for goodness sake. They thought differently. I jumped firstly to complete shock, and then I went straight into defensiveness, like how dare you? How dare you? You ever done that? Someone questions you on something, your first, your first thing is, well I mean firstly, how dare you? Do, you? do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? <laughs> Guess what? You're nobody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. hate to break it to you. Absolutely. Yeah. <coughs> and then I twirled into doubt, good old doubt. Maybe they're right. Maybe this is, maybe this is who I am. This is, this is me. I'm actually the worst person on the planet. My motives are just awful. I'm never going to get this right. And I, I wallowed there for ages, actually, if I'm honest. Just wallowed around in doubt. And then the scripture, Psalm 139, 23 to 24, search me, God, and know my heart. When I eventually did get to that point of going to God, and I had to get honest and I had to face up to some things that were in my heart that I had been, I'd been deceiving myself of that line searched me oh God and he did and he does it in the most beautiful way it's not how you think it's going to be but at the same time it's still quite painful because you've got to face up to things and you've got to own what is yours you've got to stop blaming others what is yours to own It's not everybody else's fault. Sometimes it's your own. It's your own heart has got you into the situation. Yes, things have been done to you. And like that lady from the healing, you've got to forgive, but you've also got to own your side of it too. And when you come out on the other side of this process with God, what I realized is that my motives were pure and true, however, not always perfect. My motives are not always perfect. But I've got to a place where I'm very comfortable in knowing that my motives are pure. My love for people, for this community, is pure and comes from a pure place. But I had to go through that first. Otherwise, I'd always, I'd always question myself. So now we're going to get a little bit practical with James. And we're going to jump to verse 4. You have become spiritual adulterers who are having an affair... An unholy relationship with the world. Don't you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. Why do people have affairs? Because it's awful. Because it makes them feel bad. No, it doesn't. It makes them feel great. Initially. Initially, it's exciting. It's enticing. But most of all, it feeds them something that they're not getting. Mm. It's feeding something that they're not getting in the relationship that they're committed to. That's That's why they stay. Mm. So, the question is, what's feeding you in your unholy relationship relationship with the world? I'm a Christian. I don't have any unholy relationships. James wouldn't be saying this if, it, if he wasn't trying to make a point. What's making you feel good in the moment, but is actually, if you're honest, killing you? So I came up with because um, it says there, it says, what uh, flirting with the world's value. So just off the top of my head, I've uh, Thought. What is in the spirit of this world? Something that just popped in the top of my head. There, there are many, many others, but this is what came to mind: unforgiveness, false humility, envy, fear, control, selfish ambition, judgment of others, pride, gossip, slander. Oops. I mean, there's so many others. This, this was just came came off the top of my mind. We can flirt with a lot of these. You, know you know what's not there? I not know it not there. last night. oh, this is a great story. I did my fantastic slideshow yesterday. It was amazing. So I came to Sheldon last night, and was like, babe, can we go to the slideshow? He's like, yeah, sure. Aiden had deleted the whole thing. So um, <laughs> at half night last night, I had to redo it. But I forgot to put on there um, doubt. Doubt is a huge one. So I was in a relationship um, with Dart. we were in uh, quite a a long-term relationship, Uh, quite abusive actually, he never believed a word I said, and um, I had to break up with him because he was really clingy, (laughs) Um, I had to kick him to the curb, he still tries to call, but um, I blocked his number. (laughs) Okay, I'm making light. (laughs) But we have relationships. You can have relationships with these things where they're in your life all the time. Doubt was a big thing for me. God would clearly say something to me over and over again, confirm it through about 35 other people, and I'd still sit there and go, but yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know. And what does it do? It kills what God's trying to do. If you're flirting with any of these, if you, you have a relationship with any of these, today God is going to do something. He's going to break it because you can't go on like this. You're not going to live that abundant life that is promised if you're flirting with any of these. Many have a relationship with fear. Fear is a best friend that you actually, it's your worst friend, but you can't do without it. You don't know how to function without fear in your life. Where has your heart deceived you? Does the scripture mean nothing to you that says the spirit that God breathed into our hearts? So I want to refer back to the Hebrew word, motives. root word is ruah, the breath of God. That's what's in your heart. He is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us. He continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. For it says God resists you when you are proud but continually pours out grace when you are humble. He's eternally gracious. He's eternally gracious because he is eternally good. He knows no other way. That's his character, the very core of who he is. And he always provides a way out. Whatever situation you are sitting in right now, he will always provide a way out. I have a friend this week who, um, she's a very close friend of mine, and um, she is here on a volunteer visa. Uh, she's an American, and um, she applied for her uh, uh, her next her next three-year volunteer visa, which is quite a sim- simpleish process, and it's always gone well before. Um, it got rejected on some stupid grounds. She appealed, and the appeal came through on Monday saying that it had been rejected, and she had 48 hours to leave the country. Um, On top of this, her family, um, who sadly know the Lord, but um, control is a big issue, have decided that in order to teach her a lesson, they will freeze her bank accounts and make sure she learns that she can't just carry on like this. So she had to leave the country, and she has no money. I sat with her on Monday, and you know when you are looking at the most impossible situation, I I could not see a way out. I was struggling even to try and find some form of encouragement to say, God's got this. And I must say, I didn't know if he did. I really didn't. That's an impossible situation. God, miraculously, through the most random connections, has provided her with one of the top Cape Town immigration lawyers. And they've managed to get the appeal approved again to fight, to fight another day. So she's not on a plane just yet. But these are these impossible situations we sit in and we think, but how? And then God. And then God. And this is what he wants to say to you this morning. You're sitting in an impossible situation. You have no answers. But he will always provide a way out. Without you making a plan. I think that was the key of the situation. I come from a family of make a plan. I had no plans to make that day. I I just, I was flabbergasted. What do you do? And then God. God. Verse 7 says, So then surrender to God. This is your way out. This is what he's creating for you. Stand up to the devil and resist him, and he will turn and run away from you. Move your heart closer and closer to God, and he will come even closer to you. But make sure you cleanse your life, you sinners, and keep your heart pure, and stop doubting. I just want to refer back to the... um, we know it as resist the devil and he will flee. This is not the moment where you turn around and start um, binding and loosing and pouring down heaven on on the enemy. That's not that moment. Okay, this is what God wants you to do. You're in the, you you in your impossible situation. You're in these. You're flirting with things. You're in an unholy relationship. Resist the devil looks like this. Okay, it's not engage the enemy. Okay, That's not what only once at this point because when he wants you to resist, he's actually calling you to repentance. Yeah. And when he calls you to repentance, it's eyes on Jesus, not eyes on the enemy. And the enemy will make himself look very big. I have a fr- I have, we had a friend the other day, and he said, um, he's had a, a few interactions with the enemy, and he said, you know, the enemy is just merely an archangel. I looked at him, and I was like, sure, you're right, you know. He's not equal to God. He's not the, like, God's the good side and then he's got equal power on the bad side. He's, he's just that, okay? I, that just helped, gave me perspective. <clears throat> Focus on Jesus. This, when I, was reading the, when I was reading James and I was reading the Passion Translation, this is actually the line that stood out to me and, and just grabbed my attention. Feel the pain of your sin. Be sorrowful and weak. That your joking around be turned into mourning, and your joy into deep humiliation. I mean, that's not great, eh? That's not like fluffies. Doesn't give you the warm and fuzzies, okay? And I think, as a human parent, what we tend to do is don't do that because this is going to happen. So uh, let's think of an example. If, you, if you're going to run um, without your socks on on the slippery fall, you're going to fall. Aiden uh, falls. It's difficult. What do I do? Oh, my boy. No. I told you that if you run without your socks on, you're going to fall. Cho, Huh? Okay? That's not God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank the Lord. That's not God. Yeah. He actually calls you and He says, I want you to feel the pain of your sin, be sorrowful and weep. that you're joking around, you turn into mourning, and you're into to in humiliation." not because He wants to teach you a lesson, because He wants you to be made low before Him, because He wants your heart, because He wants to deal with your issues. We live in a world where you can numb anything. had some, I've had a head, I've had four head colds in six weeks, okay, I've been living my best life. It's been amazing. It's been amazing. (laughs) He knows as soon as my nose starts and the voice changes, he's like, oh, here we go again. What I found interesting is because this time I actually went to the doctor, it took me a while to get there. So I've explained to him, I've had four head colds in six weeks and I've just had enough, so he has a look at me and he goes, so... Problem is, you have an underlying sinus infection that you have been um, dealing with the symptoms but not the root. Mm. Mm. Right. (laughs) That's why it keeps coming back. And this time it came back. It wanted to show me who's boss. What is that sin doing in your life? You've numbed it. Mm. Mm. You've dealt with the symptoms. It keeps coming back. It's coming back in such a way that it's going to take you down okay you can flirt with it but it will kill you I know it feels very hard hitting here this morning but I want you to feel the grace and love of God because he always creates a way out there is a call to sincere repentance facing up to the pain we have been through and the pain we have caused Owning what is ours to own No more blaming When I was um, So I do a practice run through When I preach Sheldon took the kids to a movie And the cats got it all in, in, in its glory um, They've been saved a few times I had to cast the devil out of the kitten Because at one o'clock this morning He was doing his thing um, but when you read through James in its entirety, there is this call. It's this call to repentance. It's this call to... But it's done in the way of dealing with our everyday thoughts and behaviors, aligning them with the Spirit of God and the Spirit of truth. Because when you're aligned with that, that's where the freedom comes. And so there, when I was giving it all in my lounge I just had this picture of when it says be willing to be made low before the Lord and he will exalt you it was this picture of I'm actually just going to do of of kneeling before him when you're made low this is a very vulnerable position to be in I can get attacked and be taken out quite easily when I'm on my knees but when you're like this before the Lord, do you know what he does? He comes, he takes your hand, he puts you. doesn't leave you there. He doesn't leave you there. He doesn't leave you with the pain of your sin. He doesn't leave you wallowing in that. He lifts you up. But he can't do it unless you respond. He can't do it unless you get honest with the motives of your heart. And what's going on in your heart. <clears throat> so as they say, I'd is no it. Also just like to point out that the women are very good with the time. Yeah, yeah. We've had a 45 minute over there, 48, we had a one hour, one hour, one minute. Are you having a laugh? People got lunch. The woman nailed it, opposite of it. I'm making light now. I'm making light, yeah. Yeah, that's what they always say, they live outside of town, really. Um, so, could you go and put that song on for me? Out of all of this Out of all my prep time around this preach Out of everything that I felt God's been saying through James I have to open up this morning Because there is a time and a place for you to get real There is a time and a place for you to stop flirting with these things There is a time and a place for you to get out of these unholy relationships You know, unholy relationships What came up for me was addictions You can be addicted to pills, drugs, over-the-counter medication. You can be addicted to alcohol. You can be addicted to an unhealthy relationship that you know you shouldn't be in. This is what God wants to deal with this morning. And let me tell you, he's going to do it in the most beautiful way. There's nothing to be scared of. The song that's going to play is uh, Michael W. Smith, and I'm going to ask you all if you wouldn't mind standing with me.